All right, so since you guys are all taking notes, the title of this sermon is Surpassing Glory. And what surpassing glory means is that just something is more glorious than the other. And so with that, I'm going to give you some real practical examples of this um, in this day of age. So the first one, this is the first cell phone. Look how huge that thing is, okay? The first cell phone, when this came out, it was a huge deal. Like, just the fact that you could walk and talk on the phone to somebody, like, mind-blown, game-change, end of deal. But we all know that, like, we all have iPhones. iPhone, the way to go. We have the iPhone 13 Pro Max that just came out. And so I was watching an advertisement for this the other day, and I was, like, mind-blown. There's this, this cinema part of the camera where you can literally film an entire movie on your phone. This is insane to me. I don't know why, like, the average person would not need that. But it's super cool for anyone who's, like, interested in that. So with this example, the iPhone 13 is surpassing in glory to the cell phone. I mean, to the first original, like, big clunk phone. Next one. We have a VHS tape. Does anyone not know what this is? Oh my gosh, I'm so proud. <laughs> so this is the VHS tape. All of you guys know what this is. Um, the, it's just home watching. You guys probably grew up with it. And then what we have now is Netflix. Yeah. On demand. Yeah. You don't even have to leave your bed for it. Like, it might take you a couple hours to pick a show to watch, but hey, like, once you pick it, you're good to go. And then you can just binge and binge, and you don't have to leave your bed at all. So Netflix is surpassing in glory to the VHS tape. Next one. Justin Bieber. Any Justin Bieber fans? Yeah, okay. No. Hey, no, no, no. JB, okay. When Justin Bieber first came popular, uh, he was 13, okay? And Baby had come out. I remember I was in the third grade when this came out. And I just remember sitting around watch, like at the craft table talking about how cute Justin Bieber was. But Justin Bieber now? Oh, I just think that he's so attractive, and I love, first of all, I love his voice, and his wedding pictures just make my heart melt, even though I'm like, dang, he's married, but man, they're cute, they're real cute. So anyway, anyway, Justin Bieber, in my opinion now, I don't know if it's any, everyone's, but in my opinion now, Justin Bieber is surpassing in glory to when he first came out, so that is just the concept that we'll be talking at tonight. And we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. And I'll let you guys get there for a second. But basically, this passage is talking about how the new covenant is surpassing in glory to the old covenant. And just to give you a simple, simplified version of it, um, the new covenant is uh, the radical act of God coming down to earth, Jesus coming down and uh, living a perfect, sinless, blameless life for us, dying for us on the cross. And all we have to do is believe in him and we're saved. That's the new covenant. 
the Old Covenant is with the Ten Commandments, okay? So in Exodus, we see Moses on Mount Sinai, and God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments and the law to follow. And God will be their God, and the Israelites will be his people as they follow this law. So that's the New Covenant and the Old Covenant on this basis. So starting in verse 5, it reads... Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And we're going to stop here. And just to give you a heads up, we're going to be like taking it by chunks tonight. So the first thing that we see is sufficiency a lot, like three times within the first two verses, it talks about sufficiency. And it just talks about how um, we all know that we as humans are messed up people, you know? We're sinners. And so he still uses us and equips us and prepares us despite all of our sin, um, and he uses us for his glory. And so here we specifically see that he uses us to be ministers of the new covenant. And minister um, simply means agent or chief servant. And so Paul is a minister um, of the new covenant. He sacrifices everything to spread um, the new covenant, the gospel. So that's what we're seeing here. And then verse six is the first mention of the new covenant. And it says, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills and the spirit gives life. And we're going to come back to that in a second. You can go to the next slide, and we'll start reading in verse 7. Okay, so verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Now, that's a lot of words. And the first time I read that, I was like, what? <laughs> so we're breaking this down. You can go to the next slide. So we have Old Covenant and New Covenant. And we're going to break it down verse by verse and tell like how, what Paul is trying to say here. So the first thing is actually mentioned in verse 6 when it says the New Covenant is not of the letter but of the Spirit. So that means that the Old Covenant is of the letter. Of the letter meaning you can think of the letter of the law. So like I said, um, Moses was given the Ten Commandments and the law. So it's based off Israel following the law. And as we know, they messed up a lot, but that's, that's another part of it. Um, whereas the New Covenant is the relationship that we have with Jesus, and we're brought to that through the Holy Spirit. So that's just the starting point of both of them. Next we see that the letter kills and the spirit gives life. So is anyone in here like 
rule followers straight up, like 100%. Ish, ish. Anyone here like rebel, like don't tell me what to do? Okay, yeah. <laughs> ish, yeah. You said that for both of them. <laughs> so if you think about um, following the law, if you don't necessarily have a relationship with the person that gave you the law, and you're just, you're trying to do it, and you're trying to do it, and you keep failing, you keep failing, eventually it's going to wear down on your spirit, and it's going to kill your spirit. And that's a lot of what happens um, with the Israelites versus the spirit that gives life. When you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he's constantly filling you up, bringing you up, pouring into you as you um, just dive into communion with the Lord. So that's that comparison. And then... Ministry of death versus ministry of the spirit. So with the old covenant, when the Israelites, like I mentioned, they messed up a good amount. I mean, we all do. But in the old covenant, what would happen is that there had to be this ritual of sacrifice. There had to be um, a bloodshed. There had to be um, a price to be paid in order to satisfy the wrath of God. And so with that, there had to be this death. Versus now, the ministry of the Spirit, like, I'm very thankful that we don't have to do that anymore. Um, Because Jesus came down and lived a sinless, blameless life, he was God, fully God and fully man, and he died on the cross for us. He was the ultimate sacrifice, okay? And so we no longer have to do that ever again. The price has been paid and we've been bought. And so that's how, um, with the ministry of the Spirit, we no longer, it's not the ministry of death anymore. Next we see ministry of condemnation versus the ministry of righteousness. Okay, so the ministry of condemnation, going back to the idea if you're following the law and you're trying and you're just, you're just focused, so focused on following the law over and over again and you're failing, like you're going to start to feel guilty and ashamed and condemned and all these things versus the ministry of righteousness. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you know that he died for you and you ask him for forgiveness, instantly you are right standing with God again. He calls you righteous. He calls you loved. He calls you his. And so... With that, that's just one more comparison that Paul makes. And then there's a verse that says, Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. And I'm not up here, like, bashing the old old covenant. Like, not at all. God used that in such um, a time, and he needed to use it for that time. And what Paul's saying is that that time's over. Like, Jesus came, Jesus died for us, and if we continue to go back to, like, how we uh, used to do things and the riches and everything, like, it's over. And so what Paul's saying is that in each of these cases, so, like, the first case, the second case, the third case, the fourth case, like, all of this, it's surpassing and glory in each way. And so Paul, he was struggling um, in sharing Jesus with the Israelites, and the Israelites just held on to their beliefs of the Old Covenant so tightly. And what Paul's showing them, he's like, no. In every single way, in every single comparison here, it is, 
It is surpassing and glory in all ways, okay? The new covenant, the gospel of Jesus coming, the radical act of that, Jesus coming down to earth, living a sinless and perfect life is surpassing in glory, not only to the covenant, but to everything, okay? The next thing that we see, Paul just taps it off. And he says, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, so the old covenant was being brought to an end, how much more glorious is what is permanent? New covenant, this gospel, this relationship with Jesus, this is permanent. Like, from here on to eternity, like, we never have to go back to anything, um, to the old covenant or anything how we used to live. Like, from here on out, we're moving forward and into an eternity with a relationship with Jesus. And that is just so, so glorious. Next, we see how Paul says our response to it should be. So if you go to the next verse, verse 12, it says, since we have such a hope, like the new covenant, the gospel, is such a hope, we are very bold. Not just bold, you know, no. We are very bold. And I just want to ask you, like, when's the last time that you've been bold for your faith? For, your Jesus, for Jesus, for the hope that you have in him. Moses was bold. And going back to the story of the old covenant when uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai, this is found in, in Exodus, I think it's 32. So Moses was on the mountain, Mount Sinai, with God. And he's about to write the Ten Commandments for him on the stone. And first, Moses asks, please show me your glory. And God's like, yeah. (laughs) And I was so surprised when I was just reading how, like, simple it was, but how such of a bold ask of it. So Moses, God tells him to, like, go, like, stand on that rock, and I'll cover my eye, like, cover my hand with your eyes because no one can see my face because no man can live if he sees my face. And so Moses goes, stands on the rock. God puts his hand over his face. And when God moves his hand, Moses sees the back of God pass before him. And this blows my mind. And scripture does not tell us what Moses' response was. And I'm like, what happened? Like, how was, what was going on? And I can only imagine, like, Moses being so overwhelmed by just being in the presence of God, like that, seeing his back, the creator of the universe, the God that had just brought them out of Egypt, um, the God that had just parted the Red Sea for them, like that God. And what happens next is God writes on the stone tablets, hands them to Moses, Moses walks down the mountain, and people are, like, starting to stare at Moses. He's like, what's, what's going on? And uh, his face was glowing from being in the presence of God, so much so that people were, like, scared of it. And so what Moses did was he put a veil over his face so that people, like, would not be freaked out about what was happening. So jumping back to verse 12... 
with that story and that context in mind. It says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Now like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. And so Paul is making another comparison. He's saying that just like Moses had a veil over his face to cover his shining face, the Israelites have a veil over their hearts and they're guarding themselves from this new covenant, this new um, radical, amazing gift that they have. It's available to them. And this caught my attention, this idea of a veil, of a covering, because that's what a veil is. A veil like covers, if you think about a bride walking down the aisle, like she has a veil on to cover her face. And so Moses had a veil on to hide his face. The Israelites had a veil on to hide um, the old covenant, the beliefs in their heart. And I just wanted to ask you guys, is there anything that you're trying to hide from God? Anything. It could just be, um, it could be that you're stuck in your ways and you don't want to surrender your lifestyle to him and so you're guarding that so close to your heart. It could be that maybe you're ashamed of something that you did and you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to share it, like you don't want to talk about it to God because um, you think that it's too messed up for him. It might be this pain, this anger that you have against God for something. Like whatever it is, you're just hiding it from God. But the thing about a veil, going back to the analogy of like the wedding veil, and I did some research on like Jewish wedding veils, fun fact, and uh, they're like clear, they're transparent, like you can see right through them. And so with that, like God can see right through it and he sees the lifestyle that you're living, he sees the shame that you're living in, and he sees all the pain that you're dealing with, that you're trying so hard, so hard to hide from God, but he already sees it. And you know what he says when he sees it? He's like, I love you, and he accepts you, and he understands you, and he sees you, all of it, and he wants all of you, and not just the put together, oh, I'm happy kind of side of you. He wants every single part of you. And so with that, if you surrender to the Lord, if you show him, if you just speak it out to him, here's another thing. There's so much power in speaking out your prayers, you're speaking out what you're dealing with to people because the enemy, he can't, he can't mess with it anymore if it's in the light, okay? So the power in speaking it out is so, just so prevalent. 
So if you turn to the Lord and you surrender that side of you and you speak it out, this is what happens. Verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And remember, only Christ can remove this, okay? So when you turn to Christ, surrender to Christ, the veil, he lifts it up, it's removed. Now, this is, this is too good. This is, I love this verse. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. If anyone has experienced the freedom of the Lord, you know how just amazing, how freeing it is. I, there was a time when I was trapped in so much shame and the Lord freed me. And it was like, I can run again. Like, this is amazing. And so this isn't just like, all right, look, freedom, freedom seems nice. It's, it's freedom from uh, old ways of thinking. It's freedom from your thoughts. It's freedom from depression. It's freedom from anxiety. It's freedom from any sort of addiction, any sort of old belief. It's freedom in its fullest in Christ. And it says that when we're free with all Unveiled faces. Okay, so 18. And we all, the church, believers, all of us, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord. So, go, like, just breaking that down a little bit. So, the freedom that we get, the, that is the new covenant. The freedom that comes in relationship with Christ. Like, that right there, that's the new covenant that surpasses our glory. And so, when we experience that, and we allow him and surrender and to unveil that face, you know what's all left to do? It's to just behold the glory of the Lord. The glory that surpasses all other glory. The glory above all glory because he's the king of kings, the creator of everything and worthy of it all. And what it means to behold glory, it means to see, to um, just gaze upon, to appreciate, to think about and contemplate and ponder upon. And so that's what we're going to be doing tonight. We are going to have like an opportunity if you want to surrender anything to Christ, like we're going to have the opportunity. But the rest of the time, we're just going to be beholding the glory of the Lord. I'm not asking you to do anything else. We're just focusing on God's glory because he's so worthy of it. And worship team, you can come up. He's so worthy of it. And the way, one way that you can do this is you can think about how God has moved in your own life. And if he's transformed any part of you, you can just sit and you can just thank God and just be appreciative of who he is and his glory.
And you can think about all the wondrous acts in the Bible that he pulled off. And just there's so many things that we can do as we just like sit and think and appreciate the glory of God because he's so worthy of it all. And as we do that, it says that we begin to be transformed. So we're sitting and we're thinking and we're appreciating and we're beholding. And as that happens, the Lord gets a hold of our hearts because our heart is in the right posture. Okay? Because it's all about him and it's not about us. So our heart is in the right posture. And the Holy Spirit just begins to transform us bit by bit. It says, from one degree of glory to another. And from there, he'll just use you. And he'll use you to share his glory with people around you. And it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. But for tonight, we are coming to the starting place of just beholding the glory of God. So I'll pray us out, and then we'll go into this time of worship. But dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today and just being here with us. I thank you that your presence is here and that you're, you're real to us and that you want to encounter us. And I just pray that your spirit would, would just move within this place and that your presence would be overwhelming me overwhelmingly known and that you would show us your glory in Jesus name amen I love the word that was shared tonight and and uh, one thing for for me that particularly stood out and that spoke to me tonight uh, one thing I love is the story of Moses and and you know you you if you've read about it, if you heard about it he helped lead the people of, of Israel out of Egypt and then uh, the part where she was talking about tonight, where, where he saw the glory of God. I want to tell you what took place right before that moment. Because Moses had just went up on this mountainside, and God had just given him these Ten Commandments, and all these things were going on, and it was a crazy scene. All this stuff was going on. And then he was about to send Moses back down the mountain to lead the people on, to lead them to the promised land. And this is what, what Moses responded. And this all, this is, took place right before Moses got to see God's glory that she spoke about tonight. It says this, it says, the, um, this is God speaking to Moses. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. And I don't know about you guys, but I need God going with me every place I go. I don't want to walk alone. I don't want to step alone, whether it's going in, into my home, into this church, into the store, into schools, into hospitals, wherever I get to go, I don't want to go alone. I want God going with me. And, and I love this, how God told Moses, he said, I'll go with you. And I love Moses' response. He says this, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, I don't want to leave this place. 
tonight as we're spending time here in God's glory, in God's presence. There's a lot of you, there's been some things called out tonight that a lot of you guys need to respond on. There's been some, there's some things going on in your life tonight that you're struggling with, some sins that you're dealing with, some things going on in your life that you need to respond to tonight. Maybe your cry needs to be, God, I'm not going anywhere tonight until you go with me. God, I don't want to move out of this building tonight. I don't want to leave this moment in your presence until you go with. I don't want to go without your presence, God. So tonight, we're going to sing a little bit more. We're going to worship a little bit more. Our leaders are standing right behind you tonight. There's some of you in this room that that needs to be your cry. There's some things weighing heavy on your heart right now. There's some sins that you're battling in your life right now, and you shouldn't leave this place without God's presence. And you need to take care of that tonight. You need to handle that tonight. You, you need to ask God for forgiveness tonight. And I, I just love that. And then it goes on to say, for your presence amongst, among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on this earth. That's God with us. That's God in our lives. That's God in these moments. And then when we, when we say here and say, God, I'm not leaving until, unless I leave with your presence. And then when we leave his presence, he says, it's my presence in your life that sets you apart from everybody else. Tonight, that, that needs to be you. That needs to be your cry tonight. That needs to be your, your heart tonight. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna take these next few moments. We're gonna sing a little bit more. We're gonna worship a little bit more. Right behind you is our leaders. We want to pray with you. We want to see you catch and find and know and experience God's presence tonight and find freedom and find healing for the things that you're dealing with, for the heaviness that you walked in here carrying tonight. You can walk out free. You can walk out with that load that you showed up with and you can walk out finding freedom in your life tonight. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do in these next few moments. And I want to challenge you. Don't just, don't just stand around and be like, I'll, I'll cover that some other time, or I'll pray about it when I get home, or I'll talk to somebody later. You need to not leave here unless God's presence is going with you. That needs to be, I'm standing on this tonight. I'm not walking out of this room unless God's presence goes with me. Lord God, I love you. I thank you for these moments that we have right now in your presence. The Holy Spirit is in this room. And Lord God, I don't want to leave here myself unless I'm walking out here with your presence. So the rest of the world can see that you're with me and know that I'm set apart and that I'm different and that I'm free and I have, I'm full of joy, I'm full of hope. God, I need you. I can't make it through every day without you, Lord. I'm dealing with some things, I'm battling some things, I'm struggling at times, God. I don't wanna go without you. God, I need your presence. I pray, Lord God, that's the cry of every student's heart here tonight, that we won't walk out of here without your presence with us. I want us to close with this and just remind us of this. It's, it's it, it, same, same story, same thing going on. And he said, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Tonight, if you came here seeking God's presence, if you came here seeking his glory, as you leave here, his presence among you sets, sets you apart from all other people in this earth. When you step into your school tomorrow, his presence, his glory upon you sets you apart from all the other people in this earth. When you go home tonight, 
his presence among you. Some of you guys don't go, go home to great homes. His presence among you sets you apart from all other people in your home. You know, you can be the leader of your home even as a kid, the spiritual leader. You can lead your parents, your siblings, your brothers, sisters, cousins to Jesus and help them find the freedom that you found. As you step in your school, as you go to work, those of you guys who, who go to work, God's presence among you, in you, sets you apart from other people. Man, what an opportunity we get. What an opportunity we have to be people of God, to be set apart, to be different, to not be just like everyone else, to help make a change in this world. And we get to be a part of that because God's presence is among us, is with us, right here, right now.